This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 166 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Equestrian Collections. For the whole universe of equestrian shopping at a price you can afford at equestriancollections.com. And Fleece Works, the finest fleece saddle pads available at a price you won't believe at fleeceworks.com. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hey, Philip, how are you this week? Good. How are you doing, Reese? I'm doing great. So we're on early this week uh, to get in our Olympic uh, preview edition. Yeah, I think it's going to be really good. We got Kathleen Connolly coming on to talk about uh, the Olympics and. Uh, you know, so far I haven't been able to peel myself away from all the news and stuff that's going on over there and uh, and how it's going for our country. So it's been uh, really great. Yeah, it has. Been. And I don't know about you, but I have been watching. Uh, in, it, I have not slept much because I'm watching everything. <laughs> yeah, there seems to be just so much to take in. It's just overwhelming. I know. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of every sport that comes on. And uh, I was watching gymnastics last night. The poor American girl that didn't make the um, the final cut. I'm crying with her. I mean, you know, oh, my husband was like, oh, yeah. it was, it was. I, you know, I think all of us, uh, you know, we all uh, work hard for a sport and uh, we work hard with a horse, but these guys work hard and, and all their different venues. And it's sometimes hard to watch <laughs> them fail. And it's great to see them succeed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, being competitors, we know what it's like, and and uh, you know, you put your whole heart into it. So, yeah, you feel for that uh, for that American girl for sure. And uh, I guess we just have one piece of dressage news to talk about before um, um, our our pre Olympic report. Um, Spain's number one rider, Beatrice Ferrisalat, has been forced to withdraw her top horse Delgado. Um, I guess there is a hoof issue with the horse, but uh, she's going to be replaced by Daniel Martin Docks and a horse named uh, Grandioso. Uh, Beatrice will now be the reserve rider with her, another one of her horses named Favergé. Well, you know, I, you always hate to hear a rider pull out, but it is. It's good that they were able to put their alternate in. Um, you know that's exciting for for that person to do that. And uh, but you always hate that. Uh, it's never it's never a good thing. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, we have a lot of strong teams and a lot of riders that are, um, you know, itching to ride in the Olympics. So, you know, it's bad news for one rider and great news for another one, right? So, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we'll look, we'll look for, uh, for the scores from, from, uh, from Martin Docks uh, when they come in, I guess, on Thursday. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so I want to just talk a little bit about the venue. We were able to pull some offline. Uh, the pictures are just stunning. But uh, the venue is actually held at Greenwich Park, which is London's oldest royal park, dating back to 1433. It is part of Greenwich's World Heritage Site and the home of the Prime Meridian Timeline. Greenwich Mean Time. Uh, it covers 74 hectares or 183 acres. It is located 20 minutes from central London. And there's sweeping views of the River Thames, St. Paul's Cathedral, and beyond. Um, 
the temporary, everything is sort of temporary, which is interesting. Uh, it's a temporary course has been designed for cross-country element, uh, which a temporary main stadium also being built in front of the Queen's house with the grounds uh, on the grounds of the National Maritime Museum. And the work began in April 2012, and it actually, the arena features an innovative uh, purpose-made platform of plywood, aluminum, steel, which is held above the ground by 2,000 pillars. So nothing's actually on the ground of the park, which is crazy. They don't want to ruin the park. I heard about that. It sounds incredible because they want to be able to just pick everything up and and take it away and have everything left kind of unchanged. So that's... uh, that's unbelievable. There was a huge cost to this. I think it was sixty million pounds, which is a lot of money, a lot of extra money just to uh, just to keep everything um, pristine, I guess. Right, and uh, this is a fun Olympic fact, but the equestrian uh, sport is celebrating their hundredth anniversary of Olympic, the hundredth year of Olympic participation, um, and it was one of the first to sell out all twenty six sports in the Olympics. All 23,000 seats surrounding the dressage and jumping and another 50,000 to watch cross country. So it's incredible amount of people that are coming to watch the equestrian. So that just, it makes my heart sing. I'm so excited about that. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I was there. I know. I'm so jealous. We can watch it online, actually. Um, You know, here in the U.S., you can go to uh, NBCSports.com. And uh, I have not been able to do it, but Glenn and I were talking earlier that it's pretty easy to do that. And it's live stream of all the action. So I don't know about Canada, Philip, but uh, for sure you can do it here. And uh, I'm going to be doing it on Thursday. I don't think we're going to be getting much work done on Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the case in a lot of barns around the country. You know, people just want to want to watch the games and, and see all the great riders go. Well, we have a really uh, fun show today. Kathy Connolly is going to come on and talk to us about uh, the Olympic preview. And we're going to go through all the teams and the individual riders. Um, so I'm look- looking forward to that after a commercial from Fleetsworks. Fleetsworks manufactures pure Australian merino sheepskin and merino wool saddle pads and accessories. Their pads produce a vital thermal balancing layer to pull excess moisture and heat away from the horse's back, allowing muscles to work at maximum capacity without overheating. Fleeceworks Australian Merino Wool is breathable and hydrophilic, able to hold and store 35% of its own weight in liquid. A longtime staple of the medical field, Australian Merino fibers have no equal when it comes to delivering a temperature-controlled, pressure-absorbing layer. The Fleeceworks philosophy, minimum bulk, maximum performance. And they have a variety of anatomically correct pads incorporating technologies and designs that address the individual needs of every horse and rider. Ask for Fleeceworks saddle pads and accessories by name at your local tack and feed store or visit them online at fleeceworks.com. I'm very happy to have Kathy Connolly, um, a, a internationally renowned uh, trainer, rider, and member of the U.S. High Performance Committee on today to talk about uh, the Olympic preview. Kathy, welcome to the Dressage Radio Show. Thanks for coming on to our Olympic preview special. Well, thank you, Reese, for inviting me, and also Glenn and Philip. I, it's a pleasure to be here, and it's such an exciting topic and time for us right now with the Olympics coming up. 
Well, we want to jump right in and uh, Kathy, talk to us a little bit about uh, the procedure. How, well, you know, how will the Grand Prix and the special work for the teams and then moving to the individual? Right. Well, it works in a very exciting way. In the past, it was just for the team medal, only the Grand Prix scores that counted, the test that's ridden the first day. In this Olympics, for the team medal, it's going to be both the Grand Prix, which is ridden first, and also next then the Grand Prix special. So the difference in this is that it's really extending the the time that the horse has to produce this high-quality result, and it will test the consistency of a horse in these two tests to produce high scores so the individual team can win the medal. And always, for the teams, the most coveted medal is the team medal. Now, the individual medals, gold, bronze, gold, silver, bronze, will go to the individuals that score highly in the Grand Prix, in the Grand Prix Special, and also in the Grand Prix Freestyle. So that individual score and those medals to individuals will go for those three tests, the compilation of the scores of those three. So Kathy, do you want to talk to us a little bit about the teams first, or or shall we go to the individuals? Well, the teams, let's talk about the teams. I think that's exciting because that is really the focus in any of the Olympics and by team members, whatever kind of competition they're competing. And that's what I think we get so excited about watching the swimming, the gymnastics, the riding. And so if it's okay to go with teams first, I think we have an amazing Olympics coming up because there are so many greats in the riders and so many greats in the horses. And although there are teams that are really standing out as strong, for example, the Brits, the British and the Germans, there are also other teams that are right along there for these silver and gold and bronze medals. The British have the fourth, fifth, and in the world ranking list, their riders are second, fourth, and fifth, which is the strongest representation of world ranking lists. And that is the list that is a compilation of how all these riders have done over the last year. And those are obviously very high placings. Laura Bechtelsheimer on Mistral is second ranked in the world, and she was a double silver medalist at the World Equestrian Games in 2010. Charlotte Dujardin on Vallegro, who is a really amazing Dutch horse, is fourth-ranked, and Carl Hester was the individual silver European champion on Utopia, and he's fifth-ranked. So they're coming in very, very strongly for the chance for the team gold. They took the team gold in the 2011 European Championships. I was the commentator at the Masters class in Florida this year in Wellington. And Vallegro, who is a Dutch horse son of Negro, that's the name of his father, um, who his grandsire is Olympic Pharaoh, one of the foundation sires, rather, in Holland. But this pair, Charlotte and Vallegro, just lit up the stadium because this horse has so much magic and electricity. And I think it's going to be very exciting to see him perform. He just got 90.65% in his freestyle, which was a, a record for the British in any competition. So this team's very strong. The Germans also are a very strong team. 
they have Helen Long Hanenberg, and she's riding Damon Hill, and she's ranked seventh in the world. Eleventh ranked in the world is a fellow team member of hers, Christina Sprea, and she's riding Desperados. And then 27th ranked is Dorothy, Dorothy Schneider on Diva Royale. And this is a young group that's making a meteoric rise in their success. They've been doing very, very well in Germany. Some of the more seasoned competitors won't be there. As you know, Matthias Rott got mononucleosis, so total loss isn't there. And then also as a reserve rider, they have Anna, Annabelle Balkenhall, Klaus Balkenhall's daughter, and she's riding the same horse that she rode in the WEG. So I think this is going to be a competition where we're going to see a lot of exciting things happen between the British and the Germans. Uh, the Germans and the Dutch have held the gold medal place for years, and it would be kind of a fun thing and a great thing for the sport if the British could capture the gold. We have also the Dutch, and the Dutch has the ranking in their riders is extraordinary also. They have the number one world-class ranked rider competing for them, Adelinda Cornelissen on Parzival. And this pair has seemed very unbeatable, but they have been beaten in the past. The Dutch have only four riders in the top 50 world-ranked riders after they sold Totalas, um, but they were third at Aachen this year. And then we have Anki van Grunsven on Salonero, who's 18 now, but she's done a very good job bringing him back, and she got 81.13 at the CDN and Air Maloner Grand Prix. And, uh, as always, she's one of the top riders in the world. She's won more World Cups than anyone that's ever competed in dressage. And then we have, of course, the extraordinary rider Edward Gall, who's 28th ranked in the world now on the horse he's riding, Sister de Jeu, but, and he had had total loss before that and won the World Games, as we know. <clears throat> but the Dutch are very seasoned, very veteran, as are the Germans, as are the British. So we should see a lot of action there. We have also the United States, the Swedes, and the Danes, who are definite players and will really, with all this competition, will keep a high suspense quotient going. I mean, the bar has really been raised over the last couple of years because, as I said earlier, there's so many greats in riders and greats in horses. So it's going to be very exciting, and it's not a predestined competition. As we know from the World Games in 2010, Parsival, who I just mentioned, and Adelinda, had a very unfortunate circumstance. They rode into the arena, and what happened to them could happen to any rider. Stephen Clark was a judge at sea, and there was blood in the mouth because he'd bitten his tongue. Parsival, and unfortunately, she was eliminated. And through no fault of her or the horses, as I said earlier, that can happen to anybody. But there's just no way to tell how this will turn out. Turn out, It's going to be very exciting. And Kathy, have you heard much from the U.S. team and their training? How has that been going? That's been going great. I am on the High Performance Dressage Committee, and what that means is that there are about 10 of us, and we are involved in the decisions that are made for our our international teams, and I this year was on the selection group of selectors for that. It doesn't mean that we select them. It, they select themselves by how they score in competitions, but if there are any 
issues that come up. There's a, a few of us that are on the selector committee. They've been doing very, very well in the training camp. I've heard wonderful reports from Ann Gribbins and Jenny Von Weeren and a number of the team members I've been in contact with, and it's gone very, very well. The horses are strong and ready to go. The riders are confident. The training has been going well. And another thing that I think is significant for our team is that there's been a lot of emphasis over this last six months in the elite training sessions, the special clinics that are held for these riders to ride the Grand Prix special. And Ann Gribbins, who is very instrumental in all this being our technical advisor and is also herself an Olympic-level judge, has been having the riders ride tests. They dress up in their all their finery and garb, and the horses go in and do tests. And so there's been a lot of test riding. So I think that we're in a very strong position to show some of our best riding at this Olympics. Now, the Grand Prix special for this Olympics is a new test, is it not? It's not. It, for this Olympics, it's a new inclusion of this test in a different way. There's always been this test, but always the Grand Prix was the most important because the weight was completely on the Grand Prix test for the team score. This year, it's included so that they'll count the Grand Prix and the Grand Prix special, the scores for both of those to go toward the team medal. Kelly, talk about the little the difference with this special versus the, the right. Olympic special versus the regular special. Right. The, the Grand Prix special, and now a lot of riders actually prefer the Grand Prix special as a ride because it's, cha- it's different from the Grand Prix in that it has a lot more transitions in the test. And there's a lot more of going from extended trot to passage. And a lot of riders like that because it fires up their horses more to have greater impulsion for the Piaf Passage parts of the test, which are very high-scoring parts of the test. So the Grand Prix Special is a more exciting test to watch, and it's a little less staccato. The Grand Prix test is, there's a zigzag in it, there's a halt and a rein back. It, it doesn't flow quite as well as the Special, but in some ways the Grand Prix Special is a more, more horse-friendly test. So a lot of the riders prefer that test, and it, I think it's a very, I personally think it's terrific that it's being included by the IOC, as International Olympic Committee, as an additional part of the competition because I think it gives a greater, really, idea to who really is going to be the strongest team. They have to sustain their strength for longer over the two days. And Kathy, um, I'm Canadian, so I'm wondering, do you know any of our Canadian riders that we send, Ashley or Jackie, or do you have a comment on that? Yes, I know them all, and I was going to say they're terrific riders and people and competitors, and we know Ashley has been the reigning rider, for, reigning competitor for so long because of her beauty, beautiful work with pop art. And one of the beauties of Ashley with Popart is that she has been able to sustain him for a very long time at the level at which she did and and very successful. Breaking Dawn, we're all really glad to see her have that horse coming along because he also is a very lovely horse and she is terrific with him. And I think that the Canadians are going to make a very big impression at the Olympics because they have such a strong base and they also are very 
competitive and always have been. Jackie on De Niro have done a very good job, and also David Marcus on his horse, too. So they will be, let's just say this, they'll present terrific riding. And where they place, we'll just have to see. So, Kathy, talk a little bit about the individual test. Who Who is your, your uh, the freestyle? Who do you think is going to make it and, and be in the medal stand? Well, Reese, I think that, I think there are a number who will have a good chance to float to the top. And I don't, you know, I, we look at the world rankings, but we never really know about that. But if we look at Charlotte Desjardins of Allegro, um, you know, I think they have a very good chance to, I, I've seen the freestyle they did in Florida. I don't know if she's doing the same one. Carl Hester on Utopia, Laura Bechtelsheimer and Mistral. Again, the Dutch rider Adelinda Cornelison with Parsizal. Stefan Peters with Ravel is always one to count on. You can never count him out. He's one of the most truly gifted and magical riders in the world, and they're a beautiful combination. Those two, uh, he was recently ranked eighth, and his ranking dropped to 16th, but not really so much because of placings as he didn't ride in as many CDIs as some of the other riders did. And so I think we really are very excited about what we hope happens for Stefan and with Stefan and Ravel. I think also Natalie Desain Wittgenstein on Digby has will make a very good showing. And that what's exciting about that horse and rider is that's a homebred horse. There aren't many horses that someone rides that are homebred and then they train them to the Olympics. From Sweden, we have Patrick Kittle. And on Skandig, we have from Germany, Helen Long, Hannenberg on Damon Hill. Then also other ones I haven't mentioned as individuals are Valentina Trupa on Aremo del Castegno. And she's ranked 10th in the world. And she has a very good and powerful record behind her. Also 12th ranked is Victoria Max. Toya, and she is on Augustine, and she's from Austria, and she's a very elegant rider. And then another one I have to mention, because this horse is so exciting. Um, I was asked to be the commentator at WEG and for the live feed for the radios, and I was sitting in a certain place where all the riders would come in, and of course, uh, Totalas went in. And no one really wanted to follow Totalas after his performance. I mean, it was such an amazing ride that Edward and Totalas had together. And so out came Totalas, and next in came with Juan Diaz Fuego. And Fuego, for Spain, that is. And Fuego just filled up the arena with his presence. He's a very dynamic, electric uh, horse, and he did a spectacular performance there. And he's 18th in the world ranked now. But I think that we're going to see something pretty exciting and electric go off with that horse. And they have a very wonderful relationship. I remember at WEG, after they blew the whistle, you have 45 seconds to come in. And Fuego was coming around, and he stopped, and he had to scratch his nose outside the arena. And Juan let him do it, and then he picked up the reins, and off they went in to do a really spectacular ride. And, of course, the Spanish are great showmen. So I think these are a few of the people that we're going to see going all the way through if they get the good luck they deserve to come out in the metal places. 
Now, Kathy, do you want to talk about who will be judging the um, the Olympics this year and, and how that might go? Well, they always have a balanced panel, and Stephen Clark is going to be judging there. He's one of the most popular judges in the world, and that is be- for a very good reason. He's a very fair person. He is always, whether he's sitting at any one of the letters, but he's a very good good judge. He has a terrific eye. And I think that everybody is glad that he's on the panel because very often the countries will be criticized because the judge of the country will be thought to favor the riders of their country. And we can be sure he won't do that, nor will he penalize them. He is a very experienced judge and a terrific judge and humble person. So, And I think it's a very balanced panel. So I'm hoping for great results. And I think the riders that I have spoken with are happy about the judges that are going to be there. Kathy, talk to us all a little bit about how these riders are going to sustain their horses over, you know, several days to get them ready and keep them in top form for for all the tests they need to do. That's a great question, Reese, and this is the difficult part for every combination, rider and horse, because they're all different. When we think about what the particular issues with each horse and rider, a lot of the horses are older. I mean, for example, Salonero, who Anki von Grunsman's riding, is 18 years old. Some of the horses are younger. And now we're fortunate in terms of the fact that it's in London, which has a very good weather for horses in general. It tends to be cooler and and that weather beats being in Hong Kong or someplace where it's so hot. So there are a lot of factors that go in favor of the riders and helping to keep their horses sustained through this time. Now, the other thing is that they spread out, they being the organizers, spread out. We have the Grand Prix August 2nd and 3rd, and of course, they only ride that test one time. Then there's a break until August 7th for the Grand Prix Special, and then there's another break. August 9th is the freestyle. So it used to be that they ran the test closer together, and that's not an advantage for the horses because these tests are very, very heavy-duty. They are extremely demanding of the horse's strength, the horse's mental powers, the horse's emotional powers, etc. So it's I think it's in the favor of the weather and also the fact that they're spread apart. The riders have to make individual decisions with their coaches on what is the best way and, and their vets to proceed with each, with each of the horses. Some of them have certain problems that have to be considered. For example, a horse can have a tendency for hives or have some tendency toward breathing issues. So there are not no drugs allowed because this is a very pure competition, but there are certain feeds that are given to horses that help them. It's important that they stay hydrated. And of course, they all have grooms and people that are advising the care of the horses. Never at any time is a horse compromised by a rider to try to make this competition happen. The horses are considered number one in terms of 
the athletic prowess they have and also the care that they are given. But there are many, many factors that come into this and some of the riders are more experienced than other riders and so they have an advantage. Some of the horses are more experienced. Some horses may be a little bit hotter in the sense of needing more of a warm-up and some may need a lesser warm-up. But part of the acumen that comes in here is really that part. How do you peak this, these two athletes to come in to this Olympic arena with their dials turned mentally both to the same place to produce the best that they can do? And that's as big a test as the innate talents that that horse has. But I think, again, as I said, we have a lot of greats here, great horses and great riders, and I think we're going to see some very well-sustained, spectacular performances because of the knowledge that is out there. And Kathy, another question. Uh, how do you think the the riders prepare the horses for such a huge venue and the electricity of the Olympics and all the people? I mean, there's not many competitions that's going to have that kind of environment. No, there, there are not. And the wonderful... One of the wonderful parts of the Olympics is it's outdoors because in our country, we have mostly outdoor venues. In Europe, they compete a very strong winter tour also where they compete indoors a lot. So, for example, we have another competition that's international called the World Cup. And the World Cup happens in April. It's happened here in the United States in Las Vegas. It's also happened often in Gothenburg, Sweden, and Sir Tokenbush in Holland and other places. But that's an indoor venue, and that's a disadvantage if we had our Olympics indoors. It's an outdoor venue. The horses, most of the horses that are in this have competed mostly outdoors. Some of them have competed in very large venues like Aachen, which is in Germany, and that's like a large Olympics there in terms of crowds and etc. And then most of these horses by the time they've gotten to this to the Olympics have been competing in arenas that are with a lot of spectators and are used to this kind of thing. And when it's designed, these venues are designed, they are designed for horses to come from the warm up area to go through a tunnel and into the competition arena. It's done in a way that is horse-friendly. Another very important part of this, when we look at the arena itself, the spectators in the crowd are quite a ways back from the horses. They have a certain distance away they have to be because, again, they don't want to be distracting to the horses. So that's a big help at a competition like this. The thing that is unusual for these horses is that when they're in the competitions, and if you are actually there and you view this, these cameras that are taking all these pictures are what the horses have usually not seen. And they're enormous television cameras that are like on cherry pickers, you know, where it comes down. And they can only come so close to the horse. But there are things they do have to adjust to. They are allowed to go into the competition arena in school there. They're allowed to come a certain number of days ahead and each country is given time to go into the warm-up arena and time to go into the large stadium. The riders are also given time to go into the arena on foot to listen to their music to make sure that it is the right pitch and it can be heard 
the way that they want it to be heard from different places. So there's a lot of preparation by the organizers that goes in to try to bring success to the riders and the horses. But, you know, horses are very individual. Some are spooky. Some are really don't care about that but it what it comes down to in the end is the trust and the partnership that's been developed between the horse and rider so that the focus is mutual and not on things that are outside of them so kathy we talked a lot about how to prepare the horses you are amazing at preparing riders uh for the tests themselves so what are some of the things that the riders are going to be doing to prepare for their tests and the pressure of of the team competition well, Reese, thank you for your kind words uh, about me. But there are a lot of things that riders do over time. People do have individual systems. I know the High Performance Committee in the U.S. team has thought a lot about how to help riders and have had sports psychologists available to riders. And I think more than any time ever, riders on the dressage team are accessing some of these sports psychologists to discuss individual thoughts they have or ways that can help them to produce a better performance. A lot of it is experience. A lot of it is understanding what, for the person to understand what they think like in a certain situation. Really, these competitions, for example, when we think of the Grand Prix, there is really going from the stable to the warm-up area. There is doing the warm-up. There is then the rider being on deck, and then the rider takes the horse in around the arena. It's what the ride, horse and rider do around the arena, and then it's going down the center line and doing the test. So there are a lot of individual components that riders have to think about with their horses and with themselves. Some horses will change when they get to the Olympic arena. They'll get very tight and less supple, so a rider might do some half passes on the outside of the arena going around. Some riders, I have coached a lot of international riders and horses, and I've coached at World Games, World Cup, and lots of other venues. Some people start to think too fast, and some people think too slow, and some people start to ride differently before they take their horse into the Olympic arena, and they will change in how they're giving the signals to the horses. So a lot of this, there's a lot of help available for this. Some people are better competitors than other people, but some of the people who get the most nervous are also some of the people who do the best. It's not really about amount of nerves. It's about how to channel the nerves into tapping into what really your talents are and what your partnership is with that horse. So it's a very individual process. And our individual, our own U.S. team, the people that are competing for our U.S. team are very good competitors, all the three that are going to be competing for us. Stefan, Tina, and Jan have competed a lot internationally and have good show nerves. And also does Adrian Lyle on Wizard, who is competing for us as an individual. So it's an ongoing life process. And the other thing, too, is that we know that we'd like to be the most prepared as a rider when we go into one of these arenas, but perhaps the night before a horse can have had a bout of colic or not eaten or not slept well. And and as one coach once said to me, she said, just remember, everybody's praying about something. And 
that's true going into this. I remember when Charlotte Bradal rode in Barcelona and her horse did not want to go in the arena and she kept her cool very well. She took him on the portion just around there and she backed all the way around the arena in front of the judges, not in the actual arena itself, but the legal portion outside. She went down the center line, rode a super test in the United States, got a bronze medal. So there are things like that that happen that you just have to hope whatever you've been training for for all these years, you're going to make the right choice and that comes out because there are a lot of unexpected things that can happen. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for your time tonight and going through all of our Olympic riders. We are all excited for Thursday and and we can see it online and watch it live. And uh, Kathy, if we wanted to find you online, where would we find your website? I actually, my website is being revised as we speak, um, so I don't have one in that way. I am doing, actually, I'm doing a, um, Dover Salary has asked me to do a commentary each day on our U.S. riders, actually, is all it'll be about, but so on Facebook for them, so I will be doing that. But So we can find that on Facebook? Yes, on their Great. Facebook, Dover. Dover Saturday. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Kathy. Thank you very much, Reese and Philip and Glenn. It was a pleasure, and I just wish all the riders to have, they already have a dream, and the dream is there, and no matter how people place, what I always say to people if they're disappointed in how they place is only so many people get to go to the Olympics, and they're all there, so it's pretty exciting, but thanks for inviting me. Glenda Geek here, and I am with Debbie from Equestrian Collections with the Equestrian Collections product of the week. And actually, this week, it's a lot of products. (laughs) Yes. I just wanted all of our customers and listeners to know that here at Equestrian Collections, we have a section on our website called the Outlet Store. That's a place where we put items that uh, they're up to 30 to 40% off, some of them all the way up to 70% off. And the way this works is if there, if we have a vendor who has an item that say is sold out in a certain style or color, and so we won't be able to get any more of those, but we have some in stock and we need to go ahead and move them out to make room for new things, we put them on our outlet store and we d- reduce the price. So that's where you can get things that you can't all- always get anywhere else. We also, if we have returns that maybe have a little scuff on them or something like that that we don't want to resell as new, we can put them in the outlet store, cut the price, and you can get a great deal on that. To get to that, you can go to our homepage, click on sales and clearance, and then there's a little tab there that says outlet store. One thing to remember, these things are returnable. You, they're, they're, they're returnable, but only for store credit. So if you buy from the outlet store, you can return it, but what you will get is a store credit, and then we, you can use that store credit to buy other things on our site. So it's really a great place to go and find things that um, at such great prices, all top of the line, all regular vendor stuff just maybe has been here or is sold out or something like that. So come visit our outlet store and see what you can find. Over 35 pages of stuff, everybody, <laughs> right now on the outlet store. That's a lot of items at equestriancollections.com. was a great analysis of what we're going to see on Thursday. I don't know about you, Philip, but I am so excited. <laughs> it's going to be good. I mean, no matter what happens, I think we're going to see a lot of 
great riders, great horses, um, going head to head, which we rarely get to see. That's exactly right. And and I think that it'll be fun for everybody to kind of see who's the best. And, you know, with horses, you never know, but uh, it'll be fun to fun to see who was able to prepare, prepare and handle the venue. So I am really looking forward to it. So, Philip, after we spend all the time watching, uh, I hope everyone will tune in to next week because we are going to have a roundtable discussion uh, from a judge and a trainer uh, to really talk about what happened and, and where we're going to go from here. So please tune in next week. It's going to be a fun week. So um, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website at dressageradio.com. You can like us on Facebook. Just search the Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Equestrian Collections and Fleeceworks. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network. And keep your heels down and your shoulders back and have a great week. 